Mercedes on the line. Good morning, Mercedes. Good morning, good morning. And and the rest of the crew will be coming on uh, when they can. It's Sunday morning, so is, I know it's kind of hard to get out of bed when you've been working all week, especially those, those of us who work six days a week. So we give them a little bit of, uh, you know, we give them a little bit of time. <laughs> Mercedes, what you got for us today? Okay, so, that, so today I wanted to touch on um, a topic that really has been literally tearing my nerves to pieces, and it's the whole Tristan Thompson, Khloe Kardashian, Jordan Woods, and Kylie Jenner situation. Now, of course, you know, everybody, I guess because the Kardashians are who they're supposed to be, they always, you know, take a topic and just indulge in the fact that, you know, the Kardashians are involved as if other people are just nobodies or other people are just whatever the situation may be. So in this situation, Tristan Thompson supposedly kissed Jordan Woods, which is Kylie Jenner's best friend on the lips, and not one time has society nearly ragged on her as much as they ragged on him. I mean, the other way around, ragged on him as much as they ragged on her. But if we want to go back a little bit, um, and, and people tend to forget things, Khloe Kardashian, when she met Tristan Thompson, he was engaged to his eight-month pregnant fiancé, whose name, by the way, is also Jordan. She took him. She got her man. She did what she did. She ended up getting pregnant by him as well, having her first child by him. And from the beginning, Tristan has been cheating from the gate. I think it was sometime around the time that Chloe was in the hospital, right before or right after, he um, was caught in a, a nightclub cheating, like, you know, all kissing up on some girls, you know, some models or whatever. And he was just having a good old time, didn't care. Then, after, um, so the situation with Jordan Woods, um, Kylie's best friend, well, she's much more than Kylie's best friend. Let's be realistic. This girl's a millionaire. She may not be a billionaire like her best friend, but she definitely came for money, and she's not some nobody-ass bitch out here. She is somebody. And then on top of that, she has a very, very close family-like relationship with Will Smith, Jada Smith, um, and um, their kids. And as I said, Jaden is her best friend as well. So, you know, it's not just about Kylie here. So anyway... Society was trying to say, you know, especially social media, oh, she betrayed her best friend. Well, let's, let's, let's get one thing straight. I feel like even though she should not have kissed someone else's ex-boyfriend, even for that matter, because her Chloe, um, her and Tristan were already broke up. They broke up before, you know, Valentine's Day. And she's been doing her own thing with her kid, you know, staying booked, staying busy, cool. <clears throat> but at the same time, Jordan, you've been close to this family for a very long time. If he kissed you, you should have immediately said something. It should have been an automatic, you know, whatever. Because at the end of the day, it's all about loyalty. And if you've been friends with these people for so long, there's no way that the boyfriend is going to be able to kiss me on the lips and just freaking get away with it. That's right. not okay. But see, the problem was she kept it to herself. 
she said she was scared to tell him because she was scared that it would cause a rift in their relationship, which I totally get that as well. But I was now, 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 but, but, no, I mean to cut you off. So was it just over a kiss, or did they actually, like, hook up? <clears throat> no, per, per what she told, she also sat down at Jada Pinkett's Red Table, for Red Table Talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and she said, no, they didn't have sex. So basically what happened was everybody went out to a nightclub. This was around Valentine's Day. So there were a lot of parties in the city, and Tristan had an after party. And literally Tristan says he's single. When, when this broke out, he said, fake news, like me and Chloe are not together. So I don't know why it's such a big deal. But anyway, now Jordan knows, of course, who Tristan is to the family that she's befriended for so long. But she took her little hot ass to his after party. Now, for what everybody says, um, no, she wasn't all up on him at first. It was just like an open party. But he took a lot of girls back. And she said at the Red Table Talk that she felt like, well, hey, this is a known person. This is a safe place of after party. I should be okay. But, of course, and, and then Tristan made everybody take their phones. I mean, he took everybody's phones, made everybody put their phones away when they entered his home. So, anyway, um, they said she was kind of sitting close to him all night, and when she got ready to leave, he kissed her on the lips. There was no sex involved or anything, but I think the party led until about 7 o'clock in the morning with many other people. It wasn't just her and, you know, things like that. But the point was, again, it's all about loyalty. I don't feel like – I feel like she shouldn't have been there to begin with. But at the same time, it's kind of like – Chloe, you stole this man, and he's out here doing whatever the hell he wants to. Can you really even be mad if he's out here doing what he wants to? Then on top of that, you guys aren't together. That's your baby daddy. Like, do you really care? Are you supposed to care what he's doing? But, again, on the flip side, had it been any other girl, like the girls he was, he was caught with in the club or whatever, okay, there's just some hoes you messing with. But, however, he's still cheating on you, baby girl. Regardless, at that point, they were still together. But this is, a, this is my point of just mixing the story to begin with, literally everybody until the red table talk, until Khloe Kardashian apologized for how she lashed out on Jordan out of anger, everybody and their mama was on this black woman about being a black slut and a tramp and everything else. Nobody near pointed out Tristan for anything. People say, oh, yeah, Tristan's wrong, but, you know, no, he's dead wrong. And, and, so... They were ragging on her. She was trash. She wasn't shit. And she was everything else in the book, you know, but a child of God. But what, what, what made me upset was when Chloe put out a tweet and then she went back and recanted her statement saying, basically saying that she was lying. Like, she was like, she said, I, I said a lot of things out of anger that I shouldn't have said. Like, first she said Jordan was a reason that for her family breakup. Then she took it back and said it was totally Tristan. Jordan had nothing to do with it. Baby girl, which one is it? Because it seems like this situation was just found out about. And then if it was just found out about, if she broke up your relationship before, why was she still in your home for months after you and Tristan broke up? Because all y'all were friends, still seemingly. And then on top of that, so I don't know if you guys know who Jeffree Star is, but he's a, no. um, one of those YouTube makeup artists. He used to be one. He used to be signed to Acorn's label when he did music. But he's like a male Lady Gaga or some shit. But anyway, he does makeup. He has his own business, blah, blah, whatever. He used to be like this MySpace gay ranting. I don't know what he was. But anyway, so he gets out there and says that, you know, in Calabasas or whatever, it was a known fact that Tristan and Jordan were messing around for so long. I just, uh, let's take race out of it. I'm so sick of gay men interfering in situations that have absolutely nothing to do with them. 
So he goes out, he goes on a rent, and everybody, because he's so, I guess, credible, because he's so-called keeps it real, he goes out and, like, has, like, 20 million followers on any other platform. Yeah, he just has, like, a huge following. So when you say something, just know that's going to influence a lot of people. He told everybody that he knew for a fact that they had been messing around for months. Nobody else has said this. Jordan hasn't said it. Tristan hasn't said it. Nobody else in society has said it. No one else in social media. But Jeffree Star says this shit. So it opens up a whole other can of worms. Like, so y'all been fucking around this whole time before the situation at Tristan's home happened, the after party. I don't know. No matter what, because it's just like society makes black women out to be so trashy. And everybody just swept on the rug what this white woman did prior to even trying to get what she took the man to begin with. Like, did y'all forget? Did y'all also forget that her best friend, Kylie, did something similar to Black China? Did y'all forget that? She took Tiger, and then, and then China was friends with Kim at the time, and Kim didn't defend China. But they, so do as, do as we say is morally right, but don't do what we do. And I'm sick of the Kardashian-Jenner clan. They really fucking get under my skin. And then everybody on social media ended up turning on Kylie because, you know, not Kylie, other one, uh, Chloe, because they was like, girl, if you knew all this shit, what you went in like that for? At the end of the day, my point, our black women will never be treated by society the way white women are treated. They can whore, slut, and do everything that they want to do, and it's brushed under the rug, it's, it's thrown out of the window, it's thrown into the middle of a fucking ocean for it all. I give a shit. But as soon as a black woman does something, we are complete and utter sluts, and I don't get it. It just was one of those things where, Literally, Will Smith and his wife had to step up and have it put out there because the way social media was really dragging that girl to the dirt, and it wasn't even her. It wasn't even her the whole time. But we're yeah. not looking at the same. No, definitely so, yeah, not. You know, and and I mean, women of color in general are just not looked at the same as other people in in society. And you know, it, it's funny. Somebody was talking about. Uh, when people say, I don't see color, you know, right. which is which is becoming a, a really dumb statement. And then somebody put it in perspective, I forgot which pundit I was watching. It's like when they say, I don't see color, what they're saying is, I don't see the problem, you know. And that's, right. that's a, a, a big thing. I mean, to your point, you know, what basically – what uh, what Chloe did was way worse than what Jordan did, if she did anything at all, you know. Right. So I, I I don't understand if you take someone's man, that all of a sudden it's like, well, he's mine forever. Is he though? Is he really? <laughs> because if he left someone for you, you don't think he's gonna leave you for someone else eventually down the line when he gets tired of you. So I. I I'm so glad that I'm in my I'm in my, my mid forties and that I don't and I'm not rich, so I don't have to deal with stuff like this on a regular basis because I don't know how I'd react. I don't know how you know I mean, you figure Tristan Thompson is young, he's only like twenty seven, I think. So he's not that old. Chloe's what, like in her in her mid thirties? Yeah. And then how old is uh how old is Jordan Woods? She's, uh, her and Kylie are what, like 20, early 20s? Yeah. Like 21, 21, 22. Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not bringing age into it, but you would figure somebody in their mid-30s would be more refined in this sort of thing. Like they would just have 
a little bit of restraint before just blabbing out stuff on social media and having to go back and take it back, you know, because they misspoke, quote unquote misspoke. You know, you would, I mean, I could imagine some, that would be something that Kylie would do because she's younger or even Jordan because she's younger. But you figure someone in their, in their mid-30s, you figure that way, would be a little bit more refined. Now, I understand how when people are coming from a place of hurt, they will lash out. And I, I, I fully understand that. But when, you're a, but when you're a public figure, you have to be more careful about the things you do and say on social media. You, you do, and also it has to do with who you associate with as well. Just like the, what, you know, her or whatever, like, you know, kissing him or whatever. You can't do shit like that, baby girl. You just can't. It just, I don't know. I don't know. If anything, I would I would have loudly snitched on him. I don't know. Just people in general, the influence that they have on society as far as, like, celebrities now, I feel like the celebrity generation now versus then is so different. Like, they put these celebrities on a pedestal that I just don't understand, which they used to do it back in the day, too. But social media has taken over and added and amplified that popularity, so to speak. They did back in the days, but back in the days, those celebrities were usually more, uh, like, if you, if you watch somebody like, uh, like Dick Cavett, and I know I'm, I'm dating myself here. When I was on, when I used to watch the Dick Cavett show, because we only had, like, yeah. five channels. <laughs> so it wasn't like now. It was, like, 900 channels. And I'm just saying, like, it was, it was right. very advanced for a kid my age to be watching Dick Cavett. When I was watching Dick Cavett, he was a talk show host. He was on uh, PBS. But I didn't know. Like, one of my friends uh, at work said that she read his uh, biography, and, you know, he had, a, he had a rich, really rich history. You know, he's, he was always a really talented guy, you know. So people like low-talent folks were regulated to, like, shows like The Gong Show, you know, like people coming out and singing banjos, dressed up in a costume. That was The Gong Show. And then everything else was like Dick Cavett type level. And now everything is a gong show. Everything is like low talented hacks who basically just get top billing for being, for, for just being, for just sucking, like William Hung. Now, the only reason why I know his name is because he went viral because he was, you know, he had that horrible American Idol. And then he was like, well, I did the best I could. And then he was like, a, he ended up, Making a, a song. Now, I know, like, I mean, like, music video and everything. I know people who are just mad that they're just like, look, I've been trying to get a record deal for 10 years, busting my ass, doing shows. I don't even see my kids. And this motherfucker got a record deal because he sucked. That's the society we live in today. So, I mean, a lot of these celebrities are not people who we should be looking up to. We should not be looking up to the Kardashians. Because they were born rich. Right. You know, they didn't do anything special. They were just, they were celebrities by accident of birth. So anybody who follows Kylie and the, the, the adventurism, Kylie and Chloe and Kim, you, you, you've wasted a, a good portion of your life that you could have spent reading a book, you know, or taking your kids to the movies or some shit. Like, I, I don't understand following, like, worshiping people who have less talent than you. Right, you know, right. Who are just, right, bo- who are just right, born right, right. rich. 
You know, if you want to write, like, like Chris Jenner, Jenner, Chris Jenner, Jenner and their mother or whatever, she had married all these men or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where they, you know, started. But then she just kind of monetized everything. Right. I, I always thought that when you, I mean, everybody wants to be comfortable. You understand? You want to be able to, like, if your kids need braces, you don't have to make life decisions, you know, because your kid needs uh, medical attention. Everybody wants to be comfortable. I don't think a lot of people want to be wealthy, you know, because I think to me, like, chasing wealth, you're just basically just going further and further away from your soul because it just becomes all-consuming, you know? Like, Yeah, I'm with you. But people think that because you have wealth that you're better than everybody else, and they listen to you. So when a Khloe Kardashian comes in and starts running off at the mouth, people listen and react with her without knowing all the facts. And then Khloe comes out and it has to retract it, and then you're just like, oh, oh okay. Right, right, exactly. Like, bitch, what the fuck? And then um, Jason Lee comes out. He's the one who owns, what's that uh, website? It's kind of like Shade, what they call it, like Hollywood something. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name of it. But he owns that site, and he was the first one to leak the story, and he really was. But he goes on some other uh, radio show or, or table show or whatever and tells everybody that he saw Jordan Woods at a um, at a um, restaurant looking for a job as a waiter. That girl has a successful lash line, a successful makeup line that has nothing to do with Kylie, a successful, I think, like clothing line as well. She, that girl is a millionaire. Are you high? Why would she have to do that? Alone by herself, she's rich for the rest of her life. Now, granted, Kylie might have cut her out of her business or whatever when it comes down to the little, you know, collaboration they did on makeup and stuff. But she has all her own shit. Why would you? And a black man turned down a black woman is nothing new. Yeah. She started applying for a job as a waiter. Oh, my God. I, I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was about the Kardashians or one of those faux celebrities who, you know, and they were talking about how they get so rich so quick, and it's basically just by cutting out the middleman, you know, which means that they're able to maximize their profits because they cut out a lot of people out of the process. I don't mean people who uh, are unnecessary in the process. I'm talking about people who are necessary in the process, you know. Because, in, I mean, in this day and age where people need jobs, because I always, you know, one thing I found out in my life, you know, is that it's not illegal immigrants who are stealing people's jobs. It's automation, you know. I mean, just think about how, like, now they have robots that literally build cars. Like, I used to see commercials from the right. 70s about car plants and people are doing those jobs, and now robots are doing those jobs, you know. Exactly. So, when you have a process where you're just cutting people out of jobs just to maximize your profits, that's the worst part of capitalism. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how people like the Kardashians, I mean, when they have their little makeup lines and stuff like that, that's how they – now, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. I'd have to go back and look at that article and find out uh, exactly how they do it, but it's not a great process. It's a great process for their profits, of course. You know, so like when they call people like that, you know, they're like, you know, that would be somebody's argument. Like if you if you rag on Donald Trump, Donald Trump's a job creator. Really? Because a job creator pays people. 
Donald Trump doesn't pay people. You know, he'll basically, yeah, just, exactly. you know, he'll, he'll let you do the work and then he will cut you out. And then he will just say, hey, listen, you know, if you don't, you don't like it, you could sue and you'll be in court forever. And then you're, you're going to be ruined in legal fees. Or you could take the little right. pittance that I give you. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying that the, that the Kardashians and, and the Jenners are that cruel or they do stuff like that. I'm definitely not saying that, you know. But, I, but so, I mean, let's, I mean, take the Kardashians out of it. You, did you see the thing where um, Amazon became, I think we posted in our group chat, Amazon became the first trillion-dollar company? And I, always thought, I always thought it would be Apple. I also thought Apple would get that um, distinction, but... Actually, yeah. Apple got close last year. Apple got really close last year. Apple was worth, like, like $700, $800 billion. Um, and, and then, of course, with the recent sales of these phones, I mean, it didn't quite, quite put them over. And then it came back up there. It went up pretty well in the stock market. But, um, yeah, so... Hold on. Okay, so, yeah, so they became the first trillion-dollar company, and Apple was definitely very close last year fiscally when it came down to stocks and everything else. But I guess because of the failed iPhone sales for the XR, um, they kind of fell behind, so they, they didn't get to make it to that trillion-dollar mark. But Amazon did, and they said, while Amazon is a trillion-dollar company, why is over 70% of their workers on assistance to help supplement for what they don't make at work? Right. They're on, they're, they're on Section 8. They're on Medicaid. They're hard workers now. They work 160 hours a month just like you and I do. But they're on Medicaid. They're on Section 8. They're on food stamps and everything else. Why is that, Amazon? I'm going to tell you right now, there's an Amazon plant right here in Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, about 35 minutes from where I live in Greenville. And I know for a fact they don't pay more than 10.50 an hour. It's you know hard what? to sustain even in a one-bedroom here at 10.50 an hour. And just imagine for the ones that got kids, you know. I, I have a neighbor who uh, I call him my cousin. We grew up with him, and he's uh, he he does graphic design. I remember, I remember, you know, we used to do little drawings that he used to put on. I mean, when he was a little kid, like in grade school, and you right. know, he's do little drawings that he used to put on his refrigerator. And all of a sudden, now he's like a you know he's a, a master artist. He had a job with AOL. This is this is many years ago, and he just thought, oh, AOL got this job with AOL. You know, I'm I'm in the big time now. He's AOL sucked. They were a shit company to work for. So you figure uh, a company that has all this clout, like everybody knows who AOL is. Well, at least they did until they, I don't know if they even still in business anymore. But um, a company that has all this clout and they just treat workers like shit. I had a friend of mine who used to work for Transworld. I used to work for Transworld as a uh, assistant manager. They took over the company that I used to work for which was uh, the wall slash Camelot. And um, a friend of mine used to work in one of their warehouses. And the and same thing, he said it, it was basically like Amazon without the diapers. <laughs> like at least, he, right. at least he was able to take a break from time right. to time, but it wasn't, you know, but it, 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 it was a shithole. He was like, I felt like I was working in a sweatshop in India. And you're working for, yeah, yeah. A, for a billion-dollar company. I don't know if FYE is a billion-dollar company. The Transworld, they, I think they... I don't know. I've worked for them in like 15 years almost. But, I mean, it's like the bigger the company, the worse they treat people. And, you know, if you have a company like SAS, right, there are people who right now would cut off their arm to go work for SAS. And it's not even like they got the arm caught in a trap. It's like, oh, that's what they want me to do to work for SAS? I'll do that. Because 
They just, right. I mean, from what I've heard from people who work there, they take care of their people. That, yeah. Very well. Yeah. Yeah, take so, care of the people, great benefits, great discounts, everything else. Yeah. All, all these companies aren't like that. But it's the problem with, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but it's a problem with capitalism that is not regulated because then people will take shortcuts. And then they'll look like geniuses like the Kardashians and the, and the Jenners, and really they did it by just, you know, cutting out the essential part of, you know, by either treating workers like shit or cutting uh, cutting out necessary processes in order to make money. It's like if you built a bike, right, like you, like you buy a bike and you build it and there's like nine pieces still left over, would you ride that bike? I don't, I wouldn't. Because I'm like, oh, God, there's nine pieces left over. It's going to fall apart, you know. Well, I don't know. What, what do I know? I'm not a businessman. <laughs> right. And, um, and then also um, when it comes to, I guess, just companies, bigger companies running their business, I feel like there's a, there's a sense of greed once they make it to a certain point. And even the consumers start to – um, feel it later. Um, Amazon, over the years, used, in the beginning, they used to be one of the cheapest sources to find certain things. Well, Sometimes you go on Amazon, you might find something cheaper at Best Buy, you might find something cheaper somewhere else. You know, Amazon yeah. is not the best go-to anymore. They're just not. And I, and, I mean, you got, if you shop around hard enough, you'll definitely find some prices better than what you can find on Amazon. And I know Amazon consists of a bunch of sellers. I get it. But um, including some things are strictly through Amazon. However, <laughs> Amazon just ain't the cheapest anymore. There's, I shop around. I'll check Amazon maybe second or third. Well, people are starting to get hip to the game, and they're starting to try and compete with Amazon. And, uh, right. like, Best Buy totally revamped their whole thing. My brother-in-law got mad at me because um, when, uh, when we went down for my mom's funeral – you know, uh, well, up to New York. My friend always gets on me for that, for my geographical mis, uh, misspeakings. But uh, we went up to New York for my mom's funeral, and they wanted to bring uh, a laptop and have, like, a montage of pictures and stuff like that from, you know, from my mom. So we needed an HDMI cable, and we didn't have an extra one. Right. So my brother-in-law right. went to Best Buy to buy an HDMI cable. Best Buy charged him nineteen ninety-nine for an HDMI cable. And I, and I was just like, oh, my God, they raped you. They, Amazon giveth those cables away. <laughs> you know? And um, I, I said, it's not your fault. You know, I, mean, I know, you know, you had, you know, we're under a time constraint. We can't wait for a delivery from Amazon. But an HDMI cable does not cost $20, you know? Well, but Exactly. But Best Buy had to realize, hey, we got to do something about this or we're going to get run off the board. Exactly. Yeah, HDMI cable does not cost that much. It's definitely not an expensive item at all. Oh, I could buy a five pack of HDMI cables for twenty bucks. Right. You know, this is a little off topic, but I've noticed just in traveling around the southeast, um, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina over the past few mm -hmm. weeks, um, they are doing a lot of construction in these areas to the point where it's almost unbearable to drive. Like, 
I came back. I'm home now and um, coming back from Charlotte. But I was in Atlanta a few weeks ago, and I was in Charlotte a few weeks ago as well. And it's just, uh, and I know you have to redo the roads, you have to keep up, but they're doing like a lot of rerouting, you know. Right. And it's, it's, it's annoying. I just got off on an exit, and literally, this is a city I've lived in my whole life, with the exception of five years. I, I moved to a city that was only 30 minutes away, but I don't even know my city anymore. I don't know it anymore. That's how bad they chopped it up. It's crazy. I just wonder why. Why now? I guess, uh, well, I, t- I take that back. Maybe it's an overhaul of people. There's so many people in these cities now to handle I, I, the traffic. I, I will say this. If they want to handle traffic, they should build less roads and just build up their public transportation because there are a lot of people who will just yeah. not. I, I worked I work with a woman named uh, Elaine. I'm not going to say her last name on the air. Uh, I shouldn't have said her first name, but Elaine was one of my mentors at my job. You know, she was, she was an amazing, she's, she's an amazing person. She lives like an hour away, right? She said, she retired some years ago. And, you know, when we were talking, you know, on her last day, she said, the best part of my retirement will be not having to drive anymore. She hates to drive, and she hates making that hour-long trip back and forth each way, you know? And why not – I mean, put it like this. Uh, Long Island Railroad reaches everybody – so even if you live in, like, Ronkonkoma, you know, way out there in the the sticks, right – well, the right. six, you know, in Long Island, there's a Long Island Railroad train that will get you into Manhattan, so you can work, so you don't have to worry about, you know, traveling all up um, Sunrise Highway and all that other stuff. You could just get on a train and just relax until you get to your stop. You know, we need more of that in North Carolina. You know, that would be instead of, right, right. I mean, now I know roads have to be maintained. You know, that's right, right. A, a given, but Instead of building more roads, just build up your public transportation. But one of the reasons why a lot of cities are not doing that is because of people like the Koch brothers who make money off of gas and oil and asphalt and all that other stuff. So they, they actually got involved. I forgot what – I talked about it on the show a couple months back. I had to go through my notes. I forgot what state it was. But they launched a campaign. I forgot what state it was, but they were trying to really beef up their – public transportation, and the Koch brothers ran a campaign to stop it, and it worked. They voted it down of expanding their public transportation, which was a major blow to uh, the city. Right, right. You know, it's it's absolutely crazy, but, I mean, expanding all these roads, and, I mean, we should be getting to the point right now where, like, I mean, in England – there's a lot of public transportation because gas is so expensive, it's, it's very cost prohibitive to drive a car. And it's because England imports all of their gasoline, you know, or at least most of it. They don't refine gasoline, so they import it all. I have to double-check that to be sure, but their gas is horribly expensive. Like someplace like Russia, it's probably cheaper because they, uh, they drill for oil, they refine gas and oil in Russia. But in places like England, they don't do that. So the, I, I know for sure, like uh, my mother's from St. Lucia, their gas is like 14, 15 EC dollars a gallon because they import all of their gasoline. You know, so you would, but England, you know, they have like a double-decker buses and they have like a, a strong public transportation to help counter that. 
you know, a lot of states don't have that. I was on the bus one day, it was a couple years back when I used to go into the office, and somebody was saying the problem with our public transportation, talking about for Raleigh, is that we feel like the city hasn't changed in 30 years, and that's not the case. The population has been booming in North Carolina for many years. You know, hell, I'm from New York. <laughs> you know, so um, I think it's I think it's good that they're finally starting to expand and to accommodate all these extra people. But I think they're doing it the wrong way. They should be working on public transportation and get less and get more people off the roads, less accidents. You know, less pollution, less traffic. It's a win-win. So I mean, expanding roads is not going to help because it's just going to create more cars. So, but, hold on a second. All right, we're just waiting for uh, Mercedes to jump back on. Unfortunately, her call got dropped. I don't know what cell phone service she has, but. (laughs) So, because I believe she was on the road. So, but anyway, let me, uh, okay, let's, let's just do a little bit of a shift here. You know, I was going to ask, of course, ask my folks if they had done their taxes yet. And um, I know we talked about taxes a few times on the show, either, either here or on politics, but, you know, it's tax season, you know, it's tax season for another six weeks. So, I mean, it's just, March just started, you have until April 15th. To file your taxes. As a matter of fact, what day is April 15th this year? On a Monday, no less. You know. So, the problem that people are having with the new tax law is basically it screwed them over. Now, I get a decent return back. A decent return. Uh, my return is well below the average. I'm not going to say how much it is, but the average tax return in this country is about $3,000. That's the average. So I'm well below the average, but it's still a nice amount of money. I mean, I paid off one of my credit cards, you know, bought myself a Nintendo Switch. I'm, I'm good, you know, but a lot of people got screwed, you know, and Senator Chuck Grassley has a message for you about all the people that got screwed. He says, you're an idiot. You know nothing about money. Okay. He didn't say it like that. <laughs> he didn't say it like that, but he may as well have. So this is from Huffington Post. Okay, he says why don't you write a story saying you're stupid to look at your refund to see whether or not you got a tax increase or a decrease. Okay, he says you can't measure by the refund. So Huffington Post goes on to say Grassley has half a point. The vast majority of U.S. households got their taxes reduced last year because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Most people pay their federal taxes by having a portion of their wages withheld from each paycheck. So the new law's lower tax rates should have resulted in slightly more take-home pay for most workers. But the new law probably did mess up refunds for several million households. Republicans rushed to write and pass a sweeping tax overhaul at the end of 2017, leaving the IRS little time to revamp the formula that employers and employees are supposed to use to figure out how much should be withheld from their wages. So uh, Howard Gleckman, who's a senior fellow 
at the Independent Tax Policy Center says, passing a tax law the last week of December and expecting the tax system to adjust in a week is unreasonable. Okay? So the agency said that according to payroll processes, it would have taken at least six months to come up with a better withholding system. Okay? Continuing on with, what, with Huffington Post, Democrats said congressional uh, Republicans and the Trump administration encouraged insufficient withholding in order to boost people's paychecks ahead of the 2018 midterm elections. I think it's one of those I told you so moments, uh, said uh, Richard Neal, Democrat from Massachusetts, who's also on the House Ways and Means Committee. Okay? Many Americans are accustomed to getting a tax refund in the first part of the year, and the way they plan to spend the money suggests that they truly count on it. Uh, Gleckman continued. He said a survey last year found that 44% of Americans polled said they would pay down debt if they got a refund from the new tax law. And like I said before, the average federal refund is about $3,000. Okay. So basically with Chuck Grassley, first things first about Chuck Grassley. Chuck Grassley is a multimillionaire. He's worth about three or $4 million. Okay. So he's, he's good. Okay. He's probably well-versed in tax law since he helped write this bill, if I'm, if I'm correct. Most Americans are not well-versed in tax law, okay? According to recent polls, only 19% of Americans adjusted their W-2 forms after the new tax law took effect. I know I didn't. I didn't adjust my tax law because I, my, my W-2s, you know? The last time I adjusted my W-2s, I got in a lot of trouble. So I, you know what? I'm like, I'm getting the refund back, set and forget it. I'm good, you know? To me, what Grassley is doing is basically just blaming, just victim blaming, okay? You rush a tax law at the end of the year, and when people get slapjacked with tax bills, you tell them it's their fault? The fuck kind of shit is that? It's Republicanism 101. Blame the victim even when it makes no sense. If you get raped, you shouldn't have worn that dress, okay? The bottom falls out of your finances due to a decision that Republicans made. It's your fault for not reading their minds because I don't remember ever, ever, hearing Republicans say, listen, this new tax law is going to be a bit tricky. We're doing it at the end of the year. You may need to review your W-2s and adjust accordingly. They never said that. What they said is, hey, we're passing this tax law, and you're going to be perfectly fine. You're going to love us for this. And people are getting hosed. This is also from Huffington Post. There's more bad news for taxpayers. A government report has, re has revealed that 11 million taxpayers are losing out on $323 billion worth of deductions due to a punishing change in Donald Trump's tax law. The hard news comes after early fathers were stunned by shrinking to vanishing tax refunds. The deduction wallop detailed in the government report centers on capped deductions for state and local taxes including real estate taxes. Uh, formerly, all local taxes could be deducted from federal taxes. Now it's capped at $10,000, which hurts homeowners in major metropolitan areas, especially in the Northeast and California, where housing tends to be more expensive. The cap was imposed to help pay for huge tax cuts to corporations whose tax rates were slashed from 35% to 21%. Several states, including New York and New Jersey, are challenging the deduction cap in court, claiming that the new tax law is unconstitutional because of federal overreach 
and the harm to some states and their residents. Keep that in mind, right? The reason why they're capping those, uh, those adduction caps is to punish blue states. Now, I know what you're thinking. That seems kind of far-fetched. But which states tend to have the highest, uh, you know, highest property values? New York, New Jersey, you know, most of the Northeast, and California. You know? So all states that solidly vote blue. So it's almost like they're being punished for not falling in line, and which Donald Trump is fine with. I mean, Donald Trump is from New York, but Donald Trump doesn't pay his taxes anyway. So what does he care? You know, he's, he's the master of the tax loophole. So it doesn't really matter to Trump, but it matters to a lot of, to millions of homeowners out there who are going to get soaked because, they're, because the president's a madman. Remember one thing, when the top marginal tax rate was 90%, no one ever really paid 90% because you still had deductions and loopholes and all that other stuff. So basically, even if the, if the top marginal tax rate was 90%, you were only paying, I don't know, uh, 60%, 70%, but it's still 60 70%. It's still a lot. Okay? So when you have a... Uh, a tax rate for corporations, even at 35%, there were still major companies like Apple, like um, GE, who paid no money in federal taxes. Amazon got, not only did Amazon not pay taxes last year, but they got a $260 million rebate. A rebate. And a lot of companies paying zero in taxes were happening even before this new tax bill. That's been a thing. Oil companies who get subsidies from the government and then get huge tax breaks on top of that. So they get tax breaks and then we give them money, and that's tax money that they're being given. You understand? So this whole thing with Chuck Grassley, you know, that, that wrinkly-faced bastard telling people, oh, it's stupid to look at your tax returns and judge a tax bill by that. It, it, that has to be one of the dumbest things I've heard this week. I, with, with Trump as president, I can't say it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because there'll be something else dumber in an hour, maybe less. You know, in, in the time it takes to get Domino's pizza, something else dumb will happen and dumber than the last thing that was just said, so I can never say that anymore. But, I mean... People like us, we see through stuff like that, but, I mean, the rubes out there are basically just like, well, if Donald Trump says it, I guess, I guess it's true. Or if Donald Trump's people say it, I guess it's true. You know, the, the problem with people is, is that they don't realize that uh, when conservatives win, only a very small percentage of people win. When liberals win, everybody wins. The rich, the poor, the middle class, everybody. Let's face it, we're about the people. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Because, I mean, like I said before, I'm not gay, but I do believe in gay rights. Why? Because it's the human thing to do. So even for people who want to see me dead, I don't want to see you dead. I don't want to see your family get hurt. 
You know, I, I know I talk tough sometimes, but in the grand scheme of things, if if it came down to it for a program that helps everybody, I'm for that program, even if it helps people who don't like me. I don't know if that makes me a good person, if that makes me a sucker, or makes me both, but that's just the way it is. You know. But jumping subjects, uh, we're hoping to hear from the last of the Democratic hopefuls sometime soon. So the last of Democratic hopefuls, I mean, I'm talking about the major players. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other people who are running for president who I've never heard of and don't care about. But there are three people who either are close to announcing or have yet to announce and planned on running. So number one is Joe Biden, uh, Uncle Joe. Joe ends up in all the polls even though he hadn't announced he's running yet, right? At least as far as I know, at least as of this morning, anyway. Then we have Beto O'Rourke, a.k.a. Baron Von Milktoast. I will tell you something about Beto. Beto had the Hillary, uh, the Hillary Clinton thing for me, which was basically uh, the more I found out about Beto, the less I liked him. When he was running against Ted Cruz in Texas, I cheered for him all the way. I was Beto O'Rourke 1,000% of the way when he was running against, uh, running against Ted Cruz. Because of Ted Cruz. You know, Ted Cruz is human garbage. So, of course, I was cheering for Beto over Ted Cruz. And Beto had some good ideas. I'm not going to come out and say that, uh, you know, I didn't like some of the things he said. But, of course, you know, he lost. And uh, one thing that Beto did that, that bothered me, right, Donald Trump dubbed Beta O'Rourke as uh, Lying Ted, right? You know, Donald Trump had a nickname for everybody. So he dubbed him Lying Ted. And in one of the debates, Beta O'Rourke called Donald Trump, I mean, sorry, called, uh, he called Ted Cruz Lying Ted, right? But later on, he apologized. Why? Why would you do that? It shows an extreme lack of killer instinct. Don't get me wrong. I don't want my candidates walking around calling people names all day okay it's immature but if the shoe fits right so basically donald trump was that was one of the few times that he was right because he called ted cruz lying ted because he lies all the time <laughs> he lies all the time and ted cruz has the spine of a jellyfish you know, only reason why Ted Cruz won his Senate bid is because, uh, well, number one, it's Texas. Okay, let's just let's just get it out in the open about Texas. Texas never likes to do what's good for them. They're like regulations. Regulations is for communists and suckers. We like it unregulated. You know why? Because of freedom. Freedom to have our towns blow up. You know, freedom to have rampant uh, teenage pregnancy. You know, it, freedom to have people, freedom to, to take away people's health care, but give them more guns. Freedom, you know, the thing that, 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 our, that the founding fathers wanted. Because the founding fathers wanted you to shoot your foot off with a gun and then not have health care. <laughs> so, uh, but the more I found out about Beto, the more I didn't like him. And, I mean, put it like this. If he would have run against Ted Cruz again in another six years, I'd still be with him. But as far as him running for president, no. 
No, he's just another corporate shill. And then, of course, there's David Bloomberg, a.k.a. Scrooge McDuck. The only only thing I'll give David Bloomberg is that he is uh, – he's been in politics before. He used to be mayor of New York. Okay? So at least he was in politics, unlike, uh, unlike Howard Schultz, who just feels that he should just be president just because he's rich, which has always been a dumb thing, you know? The, the, the oligarchy of just people who are rich should run things, even though you didn't do anything to earn that wealth, has always been a ridiculous and stupid concept to me. Always been ridiculous because, like we, talk, like we spoke about before, there are people who were just born rich and did nothing to acquire that wealth. Donald Trump was born rich. His father is the one who acquired all the wealth. All Donald Trump did was lose it all. With ridiculous business schemes. Yeah, I'll, oh, my friend has a company making alcohol. I'll make my own vodka. Oh, my friend has an airline. I'll make my own airline. You'll see. Fucking jackass. The only reason why Donald Trump is president because America is a stupid, stupid place. And we don't value education over pretty much over anything. I mean, everything is just all about, you know, how cool you are. They don't really care about, you know, Chris Rock said it best. You get more respect coming out of prison than you do getting out of college. So it's a small wonder why people would look at someone like Donald Trump, you know, a a gaudy, you know, he's he's practically, you know, his, his, basically, Trump Tower looks like Saddam Hussein's palace. Pretty much. Just all gold. It's, just, it's the gaudiest thing I've ever seen. I've probably seen like a sultan in an old movie. We'll probably look at Donald Trump's place and be like, Jesus Christ, man, tone that shit down. You're like an ass sitting on that golden toilet. You know? But I look at it like this. Out of these three, Biden, Beto, Bloomberg, right? The only person who would really be a threat to someone like Bernie Sanders would have been Joe Biden back in 08. I'm sorry, back in 2016, 08, Jesus Christ. I keep, I, I keep thinking in my mind that he was vice president. So if Joe Biden had ran in 2016, he'd have probably won. Not because he's better than Bernie, not even close, but because he had the name recognition. You understand? He was vice president for eight years as opposed to being in Congress in the Senate seemingly forever, you know? So... He would have actually had, I think, uh, I mean, he would. I think he would have won. And if he went up against Trump, he would have beat Trump. Because, I mean, he wouldn't have fallen for a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, his Senate record is not great. He voted for a lot of things that progressives wouldn't have liked. But I think progressives would have been more amenable to him. I don't know. I'm just talking here, but I think if Biden had ran in 2016, he'd have had a better chance. I don't think he has a chance in 2020. He's not going to make it out of the first round. Because here's the thing. Whenever Joe Biden does run for president, because it wouldn't be the first time he's run for president, when he does run, uh, he loses really fast. Really, really fast. He's not uh, an everlast when it comes to presidential races. Not at all. So, I, I, I will say this, okay? 
bear with me a moment here. So sorry for the silence. I had to text somebody real quick. Let them know we we got only got a few minutes left in the show if they want to jump on. But um, I'm not worried about any of these guys. Because, you know, there's, there's already articles like, oh, my God, is Beto going to shake up the race? No. No, he's not. He will shake up the race among centrists. Now, I did notice that Kamala Harris is starting to lose a little bit of love with the, uh, with the establishment. Why? Because she's losing a lot of love. With, I mean, because they figured the establishment, they just love to suffocate in their bubbles. They don't know what goes on in the real world. They don't know the world beyond their own front doors. You understand? They're, they just, people in their bubble, they just circle jerk each other all day and then just go out and just talk out of the side of their necks. Because they figured, okay, so we have a black woman. We're almost certain to get the black vote from Bernie Sanders, right? And then they throw her out there and people start to Google her and they're just like, oh my God. Oh, hell no. So, uh, they kind of. I think they're starting to lose a little bit of faith in her. Why? Because now CNN is starting to run hit pieces on her. Not direct hit pieces, but they're starting to bring up stuff that they hadn't brought up before about her record. So now I'm starting to think. Okay, they were they were probably jumping on Kamala because Beto, at that point, wasn't going to run, and now Beto's going to run. So now they figure. Okay. We're going to jump off of this horse and jump onto that horse. You know, that's just, that's, just my, that's just my theory. I'm basing this on nothing, by the way. You know. But it, it's, it's, when you have a political party like the Democrats, it's basically, they're supposed to be impartial, talk about their leadership, but they're really not. And you could tell, I mean, you're not supposed to have a news organization back you up, whether it be CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. You're not supposed to be affiliated with a political party. You're supposed to just tell me the news. All you're there for is the news. Tell me the goddamn news, and I'll make my own decisions. Now, I will say one thing where CNN shut me up is that they gave Bernie Sanders a town hall. It happened uh, last week, I think last Monday. He had a town hall. Uh, hosted by CNN. Wolf Blitzer was the MC of the night. And um, it was a good town hall. It really was. They asked him tough questions, which is what I wanted. I didn't want to have a town hall and have them throw Bernie a bunch of softballs. I wanted them to ask him tough questions to figure out, hey, how are we going to do this? Because we want to hear about the policy. Like I said before, I don't give a damn about how you were brought up. I don't give a damn about you know, remember that time when my granddaddy took my fishing? And he was like, boy, let me tell you the secret of life. No one gives a shit about that. We want the policy. Tell me the policy, and I will tell you if I like it or not. That's it. That's all. Bernie, is, Bernie Sanders is not a fashion play. He's not a clothes horse. You know, as a meme I saw earlier today, he looks like he combs his hair with a, with a balloon. You know, because his hair is always unkempt and all over the place. But you know what? No one cares about that. All we care about is, hey, what's the policy, Bernie? Good. We like that. Go with that. It's that simple. And Bernie Sanders was, was out there 
you know, he was kicking it, man. Now, the only question that he kind of fumbled around with, to me anyway, was the question on reparations. And you know what? I was fine with his answer, but I know it's not going to be the answer that a lot of people wanted to hear. Because if you say reparations, right, most, uh, I'll just say most African-Americans will want you to say, yes, I agree with reparations. But you have to understand reparations is a broad subject. Okay? And we're not going to talk about it now because practically, I mean, I'll put it like this. Reparations is its own episode. That's how, that's how deep it goes. So we're not going to talk about reparations today. But I will, talk, I will say that Bernie's answer, and don't take my word for it, the, the clip is already on YouTube. Watch the clip. So from Monday's town hall and just put in Bernie Sanders' CNN town hall reparations and listen to his answer on reparations, and then you judge for yourself. What do you think he had a good answer or did he kind of duck the subject? But there are some candidates who are actually going on and on reparations, and I can tell you right now, it's going to come back to bite them in the ass because it's too broad of a subject to just say, yes, I'm down with reparations and that's that. It's not that easy of a thing. So I know you just woke up, Odie, but what do you think about the about – the, uh, did you watch the CNN town hall with Bernie Sanders? Mm-mm. No, I didn't catch it. Yeah, and and I was just talking about, well, just started getting into Bernie Sanders' town hall, and uh, someone asked him a question on reparations. Hmm. And he he kind of, I wouldn't say he he wasn't being disingenuous, but he didn't just come out and say, yes, I agree with reparations. He laid out some good policy plans that will help African Americans, definitely, but he didn't come out and say, I'm for reparations. Yeah. And... I can understand why, because it's going to come back yeah, to bite yeah. you, but I know, I know it's an answer that a lot of people didn't want to hear. Yeah. But some of, these, uh, some of these pundits were actually looking, you know, they, they saw the questions that, they were, that were being asked, and they were like, huh, who are these people, you know? Because some of the descriptions were kind of vague, and they were just like, you know, some of the questions they were asking, so they like Young Turks and um, Humanist Report. In other words, they were just, they started looking these people up. So, for instance, uh, one of the people who asked Bernie Sanders a question, her name was uh, Shadi Nassab, right? Wolf Blitzer introduced her as an American University student, and she's the one who asked about uh, the sexual allegations that happened in Bernie's camp during the election, right? And how would he handle it? But the one thing that caught people's ear was that she used a, uh, a quote from Bernie Sanders that was taken way out of context. So, it, it's so like, in other words, they tried to make it seem like Bernie Sanders said, well, I don't have time to look into these things because I'm too busy, you know, running around the country and doing, you know, something like that. And the, the, it was taken way out of context. But they found out that um, – she actually works for, she's an intern for a lobbying firm. And I'm like, okay, well, why didn't they just say that? Why did they try to introduce her as a, as a student when she works for a lobbying firm? She's an intern, yes, but that's important to know. There was another person whose name I'm going to absolutely butcher, uh, Chimona Iwoha. Her last name is spelled I-W-U-H-O-A. Spelling it is probably easier than saying it. So they introduced her as working for a nonprofit organization, 
Okay? She asked the question, she's the one who asked the question about reparations. But it turns out she works for a group called Capital Partners for Education. And her aunt was actually Bill Clinton's Secretary of Labor. So they actually found a picture of her aunt shaking hands with Bill Clinton, and she was there as a little kid, you know. And, and, and they introduced her in the picture as her niece, mm-hmm. as this person's niece. So she has ties to the Clintons. Now, it's not to say that she couldn't ask a good question if she tied with the Clintons, but why didn't they just mention that? There was another person there named Troy Dante. They introduced him as a community leader. So he asked a question about Russia meddling in the, in the election and how will they uh, ensure that, you know, that Bernie's camp won't become an agent, to, an agent of Russia or some horse shit. Turns out this guy is the founder and CEO of, of a PR firm called Prestwood PR. So you're a public relations guy. Not only are you a public relations guy, you founded the company. You're the CEO of the company. Why didn't they just say that? There was another person, one more person. I mean, there's more people, but I'm only, only going to do a few. Uh, Abina McAllister. I'm pretty sure I spelled her name wrong. A B. I said her name wrong. A B E N A. So That's she. That's hmm? probably That's right. Probably. Yeah. So, Wolf Blitzer announced her as just being active in the, the Maryland Democratic Party and a mother of two. And she asked, she asked a good question, actually. So she didn't have like a gotcha question. She asked about universal pre-K, right? That's a great question because a lot of people want universal pre-K or preschool, as they call it, right? Because a lot of people, like if, you don't, if it's not offered, they have to send their kids to a private pre-K, which is, which is expensive. And that's something that's, been, that's been tossed around for a long time. I, I may have to – I didn't want to mention anything about it because I have to find out some more information. I know me and my younger brother, uh, when we lived in Brooklyn, there was no pre-K. So we went to kindergarten and then first grade, and we moved to Long Island. I want to say that my younger siblings went to pre-K. But I, the only person who would know that is my mom. And, well, I'd have, I'd have to ask my brother and sister, but – you know, my mom passed away. My dad doesn't keep track of things like that. If I ask my dad, hey, dad, did, did Lisa and Johnny go to pre-K? He'd be like, why are you asking me? Fuck, fuck am I supposed to know that? No, he wouldn't say it like that. But <laughs> <laughs> but she asked a good question, but it turned out that she's actually a chair of the Charles County Democratic Committee. So here's the thing. Why the deception? Why not just say who these people really are? And number two, these questions are supposed to be asked by normal, ordinary folks. And they stack this town hall with insiders. So, yeah, they asked Bernie a lot, a lot tougher questions than Kamala Harris was asked. Like, for instance, Kamala Harris had an incident with her. Um, I don't know which election it was that she was in. But she had a um, there was a there was an incident of sexual harassment there where somebody actually resigned over it, but that question never came up in her town hall. But it came up in Bernie's because that's been a, a popular talking point to try and smear Bernie Sanders. 
You know, it, it amazes me that these people, instead of trying to smear Bernie, they should just try and be as good as Bernie. They're not going to be better. Just try and be as good. <laughs> and maybe they'd get a little bit of respect, you know. But if these questions are supposed to be asked by normal folks, why did CNN pack it with a whole bunch of insiders and try to hide their identity? CNN right now is basically on Fox News level as far as, not as far as like being deceptive, as far as like telling people lies. So they don't have a Hannity or Tucker Carlson or Lou Dobbs spouting racist nonsense. They don't have that. Okay? I'll give them that much. But as far as being tied to a certain political party, and even not even the whole political party, just a faction of that political party, being the centrist Democrats and towing the line for them, that they are 100% guilty of, and they're not supposed to do that. I don't want you to be for a particular party, because that's not news. That's propaganda. You're supposed to tell me the news, and I'm supposed to make my own decisions. I mean, CNN gave Howard Schultz uh, a, a town hall. He hadn't even announced he was going to run for president. All he said was, I might run for president, and CNN gave him a town hall. Why? Because Howard Schultz is towing the centrist line. Howard Schultz basically said, basically said that if, if they nominate uh, a centrist Democrat to go up against Trump, then he won't run. But if they elect a, 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 a left winger, so to speak, like a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, then he would run. Mm-hmm. So basically, in other words, what he's saying is, I love my tax cut, right? I'm making a lot of money off this tax cut. And even though Donald Trump is a reprehensible piece of, cr- piece of crap, I know that if a Bernie Sanders comes in or if Elizabeth Warren comes in, that tax cut's going away. You understand? So he would rather be a spoiler just so he can keep his tax cut. Which is out, and then CNN co-signed it by giving him a town hall, and his town hall was terrible. I think the only town hall that was worse than Howard Schultz's is Amy Klobuchar's. God, Amy Klobuchar is so unlikable, just based on the sound of her voice. But uh, but Howard Schultz is also unlikable. I mean, both their town halls. I'm not going to say hers was worse than his. They were both equally terrible. The only difference is that Amy Klobuchar is an actual politician which I think tips the scales and makes hers worse. Because every question they asked Amy Klobuchar turned into a five, turned into five minutes of filler and then not answering the question. And one person even asked Amy Klobuchar, please, preface this with a yes or no answer. And she still just rambled on and then just, not, just didn't answer the question. So... But CNN, I mean, they've been making a lot of ridiculous decisions. They hired some woman. I, I didn't put this in the notes. I was going to talk about it on, on Monday. But they hired some woman who, used, who basically used to work for Jeff Sessions. And now she's going to be running uh, CNN, their division for uh, the 2020 elections. So this is a woman who, who literally, literally uh, – swore her allegiance to Donald Trump 
And now she's going to have a position at CNN where she gets to make decisions. So do I think that CNN is an enemy of the people like Donald Trump says? No. I never want to be in that category for one reason. Because Donald Trump hates CNN when CNN does actual journalism and calls him on his bullshit and his criminal activities. That, that's when he hates CNN. You know, I hate CNN when they do disingenuous horse shit, like stack a town hall full of insiders and hire people who, who've ne- – and, and here's the thing. This woman that they hired has never had a job in journalism before. They figured if they yeah, hire – Oh, say again? The one that was leading it, that was leading the town hall? Yeah. No, 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 no. We'll blitz it at that town hall. So, uh, and just to be clear, that woman that they hired had nothing to do with that town hall. I think she was hired after they had that town hall. So she was hired on this week. And I, and I know Young Turks, well, Anna Kasparian uh, went off. She was pissed. And the reason why Anna was pissed is because Anna always kind of defended CNN. When people would down CNN, she, I mean, she wasn't like, jump in front of a bullet defend. But she was always just like, now, now, let's not be too hard on CNN. And then CNN pulls this move, and it just made her feel like an asshole because she's defending this, comp- she's defending this news outlet who just decides, ah, we'll just go full Dr. Evil and just hire an unqualified person. So maybe, maybe Donald Trump might leave us alone for a little bit and not tell his psychopath fans to shoot us. So... But, I mean, I don't watch CNN, so I don't know why I'm mad. <laughs> CNN, to me, CNN has gone into TMZ territory where, like, I'll check, out, I'll check them out if a, if a celebrity dies, and I want to find out if it's a hoax or not. But I don't, but I don't really, I mean, I use their articles for, uh, for the show, but I don't, I don't watch CNN, and I don't listen to them on a regular basis. You know, so now, Odie, did you have anything before we wrap up today? And what did what did you guys come in to talk about? Um, Mercedes was on, and then and then we we lost Mercedes. She was on her way home from uh, from Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. I she said dropped. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, cell phones are awesome, but even they have their limits. But yeah. she, but when we talked about uh the whole Kylie Jenner thing, not Kylie Jenner, but um. Chloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson yeah. and, and uh Well Kylie's in the mix too just because um you know that was her best friend. I have been um my my two cents about that. I still like none of none of their shenanigans that they pulled before a season launches ever entices me to watch the show. This is no different. I will not right. be watching season with the Kardashians whenever they come back at the end of March. But I do um I have enjoyed the meme culture very much so. That's <laughs> 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 pretty much all I have to say about that. Like, the, the memes are great. Black Twitter is amazing. It's, it should be protected, for sure. I mean, it, it's for... I have a little tolerance for stuff like that. I mean, I mean, we talked about it at length today, you know. But, I mean, we, we talked about how people, like... Uh, actually look up to, like, the Kardashians and, and other stuff, and they're just ordinary people. They just had to be born rich. They don't really have any talent or anything like that, you know. 
I will. I do appreciate too, like the long memories of social media, because sometimes you forget because things like things come up in the quote unquote news cycles very very quickly. You know, people's attention spans are very short. But instead of um, people, you know, jumping on Jordan, they have been very quick to defend her. Um, even though she admitted, like you know, she was in the wrong to an extent. But, like, people have been very quick to defend her on some, like, but, Chloe, like, you was with this man when he had some other woman pregnant, and, like, y'all transition or path together has been very messy. This nigga already cheated on you. He's trash. Plus, um, they also mentioned some, like, they brought up a whole bunch of other shit where Chloe did the same thing to, quote, unquote, friends in her circle. Like, um, uh, what's his name? Trey Song was dating Lauren in London, and he was in love with her, but Chloe and him were making out in some club, like, years ago. Right. And that's why, allegedly why they're not friends anymore, and they were just bringing up a lot of shady shit she's done in the same way, and so, huh, things I don't remember happening, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it must be nice to be Tristan Thompson. I mean, granted, I'm looking at his stats. I mean, he, he he's a lifetime 9.2 point per game player, but he gets to hang with the Kardashians. You should have to. You should be scoring at least 15 points a game to hang with the Kardashians. You can't be 9.2 points per game and then get to hang, get to hang with the Kardashians. And I know I'm, I'm kind of glorifying them, but, I mean, if you want to be in that type of – I mean, they have such a huge Internet presence that you should be scoring at least 12 to 15 points a game to be in that, in that social circle. 9.2 points a game, who cares? You took over a trash can, and there's a whole bunch of people who could score 9.2 points a game. I also think it's, like, really funny, too. Like, there was a video I watched where people were, like – it was, like, a – like a segment on some, like, ESPN channel or whatever. But it was a segment where they basically ran down all the receipts of, like, every athlete that um, the Kardashians or uh, Jenner has fucked with over the years. And then they talked about, like, well, where the fuck are they now? Like, so they brought up Blake Griffin. They brought up uh, that fine dude, Matt Kemp, that plays baseball. Yeah. Um, They brought up... Uh, the one that she married, the one that Kim Kardashian married before Kanye, um, Reggie Bush, like they just brought up like and basically talked about their stats like before and like where they are now. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was like at least ten athletes, and I was like, mm. <laughs> well, at, at least Blake Griffin's making a comeback. I because... will say this though: if I'm a musician. I would date a card. Like, it seems like the musicians do very well in that family for whatever reason. Because even if you think about Ray J, he's actually gone to be moderately successful, not as, like, terrible as you think he'd be. Right. Um, and then uh, Kanye, even though mentally he's, like, very unstable. But I don't think that that was necessarily that them that contributed to that. I really do no. think, like, his mother passing away. It was just, like, very untimely. That fucked him up. And then um, 
but his music is still actually. It's weird because like he has these very off moments. Like I saw this random clip of Kanye like last Sunday, and he was like jamming and like playing on the keyboard. It was like a I think it was a Fred Hammond sample, but he has this choir singing. It's like they were at church, so it was like this glimpse into like the old Kanye. So we know he's still capable of making that kind of music and. No, he's his music is still actually pretty good. His right. mental health is something else. And then you think about uh the rapper now was one of the Jenners, uh, Travis Scott. Last year was one of his best years. So you know, if I was if I was a musician, I might rock with them. <laughs> This whole transition has been very interesting to see them uh, to see them try to navigate some, through some of the mess that they created themselves. Marsha still there? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. But, um, but, um, and yeah, I mean, put it like this. When you mentioned Travis Scott, my, uh, my friend, her son went to go, uh, see Travis Scott and, uh, I don't know if he was in, in Cary or Raleigh or whatever it was, but, um, you know, he had, he, I think he was doing the Astro World thing. So he had that, t- so he had to have that ridiculous roller coaster on stage and it took him forever to set it up. And they had to cut the show because of the noise ordinance. <laughs> so, but he, but he, you know, I mean, he got to do the Super Bowl for some reason. Oh, I know the reason because no one else wanted to do it. Um, but no, but you're right though. I mean, these people, they, they built up. I mean, at least Blake Griffin's making a comeback. I mean, he's scoring. He's on Detroit now, and he's scoring like 25 points a game which is actually really good, you know. I mean, but he's always, except for, like, maybe, like, one year. I mean, he's been playing eight, nine years, and only one year where he's not scored 25 points per game. But 25 points per game is actually, I mean, I know there's there's still a bit more time in the season, but that's the best he's done in points per game. But everybody else, I mean, Lamar Odom, who knows where the hell he is. Did he die? I don't know if he died. No, he actually, I think he started playing in China or something. Uh, but, yeah, he he definitely left the state. So he did have some sort of comeback last year as well. And he's allegedly been clean. Well, I hope he stays that way, you know. Yeah, he definitely did too. Cause like, I mean, the, the stories I heard were just like, holy Jesus, God. It sounded like something out of a, a, a lifetime special or something like that. Yeah, oh, oh my God. Put it like this. Lamar Odom is a lifetime 13-point-per-game player, right? His last two seasons, he scored 6.6 points per game, and in his last season with the Clippers, he scored four points per game. And the worst part was he played in all 82 games that year. 
and he scored four points per game. So he had somebody who was scoring 15, 16, 17 points a game and like pre-Kardashian. <laughs> and then post-Kardashian is like 6.6, four points, and then China. You know, so, yeah. I keep away from me like I was a plague. Like if if I was at, if I was at an event and I saw Chloe and she winked at me, I would I would jump out of a window. Like oh god no, <laughs> stay away from me. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to get this new contract. I don't need you gumming up the works. I didn't know Chloe Kardashian was like 35 years old. That's that's too old to be involved in these shenanigans. It really is. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I will say one last thing before we wrap it up. Um, Ilhan Omar, who is a – and I'm just going to touch on this. I'll talk about it more on, on Monday. We'll definitely talk about Michael Cohen on Monday because his testimony was ridiculous, and I mean that in a great way. Like his testimony was just like, oh, you going to turn on me? Well, I'm going to tell everything. I'm going to bring checks. I'm going to bring signed documents. <laughs> I'm telling everything. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they didn't give him a stool to sit on. That's how much he was, you know, being a stool pigeon. But you know what? It's the only time where, where, where snitches don't get stitches. Keep snitching. Go for it. Put it like this. Other people in Trump's camp, they're trying to get state charges on them to keep Trump from pardoning them. Because they know that if they can be pardoned, they won't talk. So they're trying to, but if they do state charges, Trump can't pardon them. So you figure, like with, with Obama, when he was releasing all those people for those nonviolent drug offenses, he could only do it, I mean, as president, he could only do it at the state level. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, let me, let me rewind. He can only do it at the federal level. So if you're a federal prisoner. They even have to think about that. Like, they have to you know, think like a criminal and think 10 steps ahead of this fool because they know that that's some shit he would do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the so, more thinking about it is like his, his bootlickers would be on some shit like, oh, he's so smart. <laughs> like instead of just being like, why the fuck would you pardon someone that you called a liar? Yeah. I mean, well, but uh, like I said, I'll talk about it more on Monday. Because there's a lot to unpack in that testimony, including my, my secret girlfriend, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who may have saved the day here. May have. We'll, we'll see what happens. So, but um, well, what I was going to say about Ilhan Omar is that basically, you know, she is a, she's a Muslim woman. Uh, I, I want to say her and Rashida Tlaib were the first Muslim women uh, elected to Congress. I think the first Muslim man was Keith Ellison. Don't quote me on that, though. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. But um, they have a uh, campaign against Ilhan Omar linking her with, uh, like with, with 9-11, you know. And it's an absolutely disgusting campaign. And this is brought on by members of Congress who are, you know, because she's, she's kicking ass in Congress. You know, I will say this. I was hard on, on uh, Ilhan Omar because she voted along with Nancy Pelosi on a rules package that could destroy uh, single payer. 
But, you know, all the stuff she's been doing lately, I actually had to go back on her Twitter page and say, listen, you know, I was wrong about you, you know, and, and I apologize. But this whole anti-Muslim thing that they're trying to do now, it's just basically it's just desperation because they have no other recourse against her. So they have to bring up the Muslim thing and, of course, bring up 9-11, you know, because, of course, all Muslims were involved in 9-11, so, I mean, you would think that we'd be past this by now. You know, this whole, but I mean, but then again, I don't know why I would even think that that's a ridiculous statement on my part because look who our president is. So, but all I got to say to Ilhan Omar is uh, stay strong. Stay strong, and your people got your back, and we'll, we'll get you through whatever the GOP throws at you. But just the fact that they're bringing up 9-11 to try and tie it to her means that she's doing an amazing job. And they have, no, they have no policy recourse against her, that they just have to just bring up 9-11 to get people against her. Because her policies are solid, and they can't, you know, they can't do better. So, but Odie, what, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, well, hopefully we won't have to throw them on the march away. Um, <laughs> like we had to do something earlier. It's like the pertains to Black History Month. Uh, We're looking at you. Just, you know, let's, let's hit the reset button. Yeah. We'll, we'll, just, take, we'll just make it uh, Black History Month Redux and just be like, you know what, January and February were just, you know, We'll, we'll, part of the trial yeah, we'll, we'll just start over. And then Lynn Patton, I'll be talking about her tomorrow too. Jesus, God. It doesn't get any more minstrel than her, a.k.a. Donald Trump's black friend. Why do all Donald Trump's black, like, with the exception of Omarosa, why do all the black people Donald Trump hire work, work for HUD? Because <laughs> Donald Trump just equates black people with the ghetto, and they're just like, you know what? Put them in HUD. They'll be good at that. They know the ghetto. <laughs> I'm just being, I'm, I'm just being an asshole. No, look that. Look, I'm telling the truth. What kind of like baffles me, I guess, is like, how do you feel comfortable saying that you knew about this shit and you didn't do shit about it? Like, you didn't check his ass, like. My my questions would be like, so what did you say when he said that? Right. <laughs> did you agree with him? <laughs> or like, it was just like he's clearly comfortable saying these types of things around you, so he either thinks that you agree or you were saying things to tell him that you do agree. Right. Like, well, that's, that's what always kills me about motherfuckers saying dumb shit. Yeah. Well, they were just waiting for the check to clear. You know. They had a... Uh, What's their faces? Uh, Burlap and polyester. What the fuck are their names? Oh, Diamond and Silk. Um, they were talking about, uh, they were at CPAC, and I'll be talking about that too, or as I call it, the annual Republican circle jerk. And they were talking about um, Rashida Tlaib's comment about uh, Mark Meadows using Lynn Patton as a, as a prop and saying that, that's a, that, saying that that act is a racist act. Basically, to just be like, you know, well, you know, Donald Trump can't be a racist because, you know, he's got black people working for him. Look, here's one now. <laughs> and 
they were mad that they think that Rashida Tlaib should be uh, kicked out of Congress for that remark. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't realize you guys are props as well. You're props for Donald Trump. Donald Trump just trots you out to say, hey, look, a couple of black people agree with me. So why, you know, would you say that? So, I mean, my final thought today would basically just be, be a little bit more self-aware, people. Don't be a parody of yourself. Stop looking listen. You can't blame people. You can't say, oh, well, you know, that's wrong that he said that. Well, but that's what you are, you know. Republicans are by far, I mean, I'm not saying that Democrats can't be insulated and not be self-aware, but Republicans have made a career out of being the least self-aware people on the planet. And um, The Onion had an article, which I agree with wholeheartedly, even though it was a parody piece. They said most of life's problems can be solved by just taking two fucking seconds to think. So I think that's true. I know it's meant to be a parody piece, but that's 100% true. So before you tweet, before you, uh, you know, when TMZ shows a mic in your mouth, when you come out of a bar at four in the morning, no matter what you're doing, stop to think for two seconds before you say it. Because if you become a parody of yourself, we're all going to laugh at you. And you have no one to blame but yourself. So, all right. That's all I had. So, thank you guys so much. Um, you can listen to this podcast anywhere where you can get podcasts, except for iHeartRadio. Don't worry, iHeart. We're not going to crack on you anymore because you probably don't exist. <laughs> so, all right, y'all. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye. Bye.